Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 3rd. Andy, how we doing? Brendan, I'm doing great. I feel like I really, uh, I saved the audio quality on this podcast. I caught, I caught that you weren't using your mic and I uh, caught it early. Caught I, it I have to say for all the, all the crap people, I did save one here. I need everybody to know that I, I saved this podcast from having bad audio. Well, we'll see. TBD. You're, don't call our <laughs> shot before we're not done with this thing yet. The Wi-Fi could get choppy. My mic could come unplugged. Who knows what could happen here? But uh, yeah, you 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 picked it up early there. That's the worst feeling in the world is when we find out, you know, at minute thirty that we haven't been recording or recording the proper way or whatever it is. But you got us there, and I don't know the thirty second mark. So thank you for saving us on this glorious March Friday. Um, everything else good. Everything good? Things are things are good. Things are good. I uh, it's it's a nice day out here. We're gonna get okay. a bunch more rain uh, this weekend. It's just been been a rainy winter. I I was I I feel like I've been sold down a river here. I this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> sold down a river. Sold the bill of goods. Um, yeah, it's it's a little nippy here. I'm gonna be in Florida next time we record, though. I'm very excited. I'm going into How about the Valley of the Beast. Heading, so I'm ready to, this heading is down to the swamp. From, yeah, not the swamp, the but Lupland. You're going to Lupland. Lupland. Oh, it's been a while since Lupland. I've been to Lupland, but I've been a da- late late booking. I figured I'd go to the players. Uh, got an invitation. So you're for, going uh, Sunday. You're going down Sunday. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. even know that. I booked a little early, wanted to get in, so I hit the ground running Monday, then get out of there before the end of the tournament. I got invited to a media party at the Global Home. You have to go. Everybody is <laughs> depending on you to go. I'm just worried the drawbridge is going to go up when we're trying to cross or I'm going to get bumped off into the moat. <laughs> I don't know that I need to. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we go. They might I, pull I, you I into one the- of the meeting rooms and you might not be able to get out. <laughs> Lock you in there. You get lost trying to get out. Yeah, so I'm excited. We'll do. We'll be recording Sunday after the player after the Bay Hill Invitational or whatever it's called, and I'll be in Florida. I'm ready to get out of the cold chilliness. Well, you what? should do a walk up. You should do a walk up video to up the driveway. We got the driveway walk ups on Sunday during Bay Hill coming soon. It's oh, barreling down. Do that. I'll be there early enough, maybe like you know, mid afternoon. Go, go stroll down the eighteen million dollar driveway. And uh, take a little selfie video of you arriving. I'm looking for Gold Boy. Where is he? All right. Uh, That'll be fun. But this week, let's focus on this week. Um, Hey, oh, by the way, did you see the Illinois basketball player that overdosed on Monster? This is insane. He couldn't play for Illinois because he had too much Monster playing video games? We know what Tiger would six. He drank six of them (laughs) to stay up and play video games. He's a Division One athlete, and he can't participate. I mean, he's a 
It's one of the best players in the Big Ten. I was going to say, is he a contributor? It's like one of the, probably the 15 okay. best players in the Big Ten. It's Matt Meyer. He used to play at Baylor. He was like a, a rotation guy on a national championship team. This is insanity. What's he doing? I have no clue. Is this a thing? You can overdose on Monster? Or I guess he's got caffeine sickness. He could (laughs) practice for a couple days. I've never heard of this. I didn't look into all the specifics, but caffeine sickness? Yeah, he could practice for like three days. Gosh, Tiger. Like. Beta male tiger. Would He's it. like uh, clearly not taking good care of himself. <laughs> clearly, I mean, you're in a, you're D one. Uh, you know, March. like I don't think he's like going to be all Big Ten, but he's like a all like third team all Big Ten. You could probably talk yourself into athlete. You know, like a very good college basketball player, and he's drinking six monsters a night. Where's Where's the nutrition coach? Where's the strength and conditioning guy being like, this is a bad idea. They Illinois basketball loves, loves to brag about their strength and conditioning program. Oh, really? This is, this is the darkest day in that strength and conditioning program's history. I just wouldn't like if one of your players is drinking six monsters. This has got to be buried. College athletic departments are inf- notorious for burying, you know, stories and, and the truth and indiscretions or things that might happen on campus. I'm surprised this got out. They let this become publicly available knowledge. So uh, I just had to ask you about that. That was who, who, if, if this happened on the PGA tour before, like the players, <laughs> <laughs> who, which player would you most want this to like come out about? Sabo, probably. I mean, I thought the default to Sabo, but it just feels like that would be a thing that could happen. I had too, I had too much monster, mate. I just can't. Mate's Australian. He's South African. Well, he's not South African. Well, he, but, could, you know. he could be Australian, too. We don't, <laughs> by, we don't know. next week. He's probably he, not like, You know, week. he might have... Uh, I, I think I'd love to see it Who from, like, Tyler, Tyler Duncan, some oh, nondescript guy. That gives us just something we can go back to all the time. Like the thing about this is like every time I see that guy, I I mean, I I try and watch every Illinois basketball game. I don't watch them all. That's like, it's hard with life, but I try and watch them all. And um, like every time I see this guy the rest of the year, this is all I'm going to be able to think about. Yeah. So how many how movie. many monsters did he have before this game? <laughs> like he the thing too is like what I've noticed I've I've almost tweeted about this. I like don't tweet about other sports because like a I don't know that much about him. Oh, you know, that I know, I know nobody enough. knows anything about anything on Twitter. I don't think don't, don't sell yourself. Short so anyways, something I've noticed about this guy, and maybe this makes more sense. He's like fucking awful in the first half. And then, like, he'll, there are so many games he comes out the second half, like, blaze. He'll hit, like, he'll go, like, six of six out of half, like, from three. And it's like, where was this? Like, he looks so sleepy. <laughs> he was so out of shape at the beginning of the year. He was awful. Well, I like, can understand. We, we had, this Jeez. was this big transfer, this big transfer, and he was freaking terrible for the first, like, two months of the season. And then all of a sudden, he, like, came on. So, my question is, like, was he just like super out of shape? Was he drinking all these monsters? Playing Does he drink monsters at halftime? 
Is this the thing? Does he yeah, get like properly caffeinated at yeah. yeah. half? Yeah. And then he. He's having the zero sugar or whatever at halftime, something ultra sports drink. And then he comes out blazing. It's like Tiger. That's I can't we believe know. we're talking Illinois hoops. I know. For this I, long. Tangentially Illinois hoops. But, well, there's nothing happening in the golf world, at least this week. So, nothing. Uh, we might as well fill the time with Monster in Illinois. All right, let's just dump, jump right into it. Not dump right into it. The Colgard <laughs> Classic is on the brain. It got here. dumped on. The t- <laughs> Colgard got snowed out. Snowed today. out. Pro-Am snowed out. Those people paid. What do they pay for the Colgard Pro-Am? What do they, what do they pay? Whatever it is, is too much. <laughs> I was going to guess $1,500. Who knows? Um, but they got snowed out. Let's jump right into What's a better the- Pro-Am deal, live or a senior tour? Live. I mean, I it depends on what you're paying for. I'm not paying the hundred thousand dollar. Oh, I guess it package. was a thousand bucks at Mayakoba. Yeah, <laughs> right. I wonder if they filled it. Um, let's jump into the PGA Tour changes. This was an article or a, a report from Eamon Lynch at GolfWeek.com. Uh, then they, the memo got sent out a little later with more details. Memo. Yeah, they, they mixed it in between the, you know, Tyler Duncan through the years and Taylor Montgomery through the years slideshow. They had an Eamon Lynch article uh, reporting all the details of the, was it a PAC meeting that happened? On, on, yeah. Uh, just a larger player meeting. Um, on Tuesday, these these discussions were clearly in the works before then. Uh, then the memo came out from Jay Monahan to players outlining the plan for designated events for 2024. You're listening to this, I don't know, Thursday night, Friday, some point. You know the details. We'll hit them quickly here. This year's I, a bridge. W- let's, yeah. What? The, I, not everybody's going to know the details. All right. Well, well I, I'm going to hit them all, but I just I don't need to read you the full memo is what I'm saying. I um, think you should read it verbatim. This is the bridge year. We knew that. 2023, like this was the designated event thing was hastily put together. Uh, not thoughtlessly, but quickly put together last year at the end of last year. As a response to live this year was never what it was going to look like in its final structure. I don't know that when, got, when you say thoughtlessly, could I just point out that maybe I said not thoughtlessly, but well, he originally said thoughtlessly. I did. Uh, sorry. I said it was hastily, but not thoughtlessly. There was some thought. Go ahead. Sometimes I wonder if, if they put together thoughtless things, if some, it would turn out better. Yeah. I'm sure. Okay. Potentially. Uh, But I'm referring to the Wilmington meeting when I talk about that. So 2023 was a bridge year to get us to something that would be more, you know, uh, ideally more permanent. This is the first crack at that. And I don't know that it's the final crack. Details from Eamon's report slash the memo. The field sizes for designated events going forward in 2024. 70 to 78 players. Do you want to talk about that first, or do you want me to just give you more? Let's just get let's bullets. get through all the details. All right. Field size is 70, 70 to seventy eight players, according to Eamon Lynch. Uh, aside from the majors players, FedEx Cup playoffs, those will remain the same. Be kind of funny if they said, you know, U.S. Open, you got to go to seventy eight so you can fit into <laughs> our designated event structure. Um, the field size field will be made of the top fifty from the FedEx Cup the prior uh, year. 
prior standing. So you get the BMW championship. 10 players not eligible uh, from the prior year's FedEx Cup points from the current year's FedEx Cup. So 10 in-season top FedEx Cup points players. Uh, five places through this like hot form uh, exemption. Five players who played well in non-designated events. It's unclear if it was how many it'll be. At what point it'll probably so, be so the idea I believe is that it will be two designated events, their ideal cadence, what they're shooting for, three non-designated events. So it would be the five best players from those non-designated yep. events would get into then the next two designated events. Over a so three imagine, week stretch. Yeah. So yep. it'd be like the best five players from that three week stretch in between these designated events. So just imagine that Honda, you know, was the last of the three three events that weren't designated. Yeah. It'd be the best five players from that stretch would then be in Bay Hill and the players, but the players would be obviously a different qualification. Yeah, that's where it gets a little tricky if one of the yeah, it, events there's is a lot the of US Open tricky things. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's um, there's so this is going to be an exemption disaster waiting to happen. So that's that's the planned schedule. We already hit that. The bunching. So two in a row with, you know, three off, ideally. And then last but certainly not least from the Amon report, no cuts, apparently. No, no cuts. cuts. From the memo, a couple other things for the field fillers. All right? Yep. Current year winners. So if you win an event okay. in the fall, you will be exempt in. Don't love this. PGA Tour members among the top 30 in the world golf ranking. That's like an injury. Like if, if you played, you know, you're 26 in the world, but you haven't played any FedEx Cup events in a few months, you're in. Or if you're, you're it's possibly 26 in the world and, and not high. What if you win? If you win a major. Yeah. And you, you know, there's a lot of, I we'll get into the questions but i don't want to talk about the semantics of this but and then four sponsors exemptions is it from what i gather very restricted sponsors exemption beefier guard like can't be given that out to marty fish or something like like the sponsor exemptions are in place so that they could get people like tiger woods in the field if he wants to play because he's not going to qualify on any of these other you know okay so all right let's talk about no cut uh, at designated events, but there seems to be some. The messaging is a little murky around that. You're obviously going to have cuts at the players, the majors, the FedEx Cup playoffs that have one. Um, Rory McIlroy has since stated that it's not finalized. This was a Dylan DeShare tweet. Genesis Bay Hill Memorial might keep a cut, those invitationals. So it still seems like the no cut thing is not a firmly, uh, finalized thing all right it seems so i think that's very enough. finalized also also from the memo uh the mandatory thing is no longer no more that if you're yeah. a a pip eligible guy or you're one of these stars it's not mandatory that you play every designated event we saw that come out in full swing a little bit the the episode eight where rory's sitting down with andy pazder and talks about cantley i think specifically guys being caught off guard by the mandatory element that seems to be gone for 2024 all right go ahead andy you, you jump ahead where do you want to go you want to start with no cut let's start about positive let's talk uh, talk positives here sure okay I, I absolutely love the way they're thinking about filling the fields i think like you know 
in terms of like the idea of the tour and where they've slipped up in the past, I think they are on the right track in terms of like how how do we make these tournaments from a field standpoint as competitive as we possibly can with 70 to 78 players. They are thinking about the way they fill this field correctly. And you know, there are com- there are little things that we can we can nitpick about it, but I think that the the standpoint of the structure of who gets in is very good. I think that's a that's a that's a change for the PGA Tour in my in my understanding like it beefs up the point of playing well in the moment, playing well at times that seem sleepy, adding stakes, and that's even for guys um even for guys who who might be like elite players, right? I I think like you'll have the comfort of if you finish top 50 the year before like having a pretty set schedule. Like it's pretty much made for you and you're into everything. Similarly, like if you, you know, were if make it to Atlanta in, in prior years. But what I love about it is is sort of the a the hot form the hot form exemptions fine, but I think it it brings a little more gravity to the gravitas to the FedEx Cup standings. I, I not to, not to like tout that as all end all be all, but like you want to try to get in the top ten, and you know we kind of always laugh about uh, he made it to the mountaintop by winning Kapalua, Daniel Chops, uh, something Danny Chops, and things like that. But like there is a reason that it adds a little more value to doing that now. So I don't mind the way they are making up the fields. I think. Um, it's meritocratic, right? It's it is meritocratic. It is like you, a lot of people went to the live stuff. Like this is just live. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. I love that they tweeted that. They can't use the word sincere. They got it wrong. It's greatest. It's, it's not the same as the sincerest form of flattery. Um, but that's what I like about it. There's still meritocracy. Like you have to top fifties are not not a lot of cutthroat. I- yeah, sure, but it is pretty good. legit. Yeah, it's pretty legit. It's not 125. It's not 70. It's it's you got to be play, playing well, and so and that leaves a little bit of room for the guys who are doing well in these these lower level events or who played well to get into the top ten in the current year. So I don't mind that. I like the the sponsors exemption. Sort of you can't have that obviously to designate events. Save that silliness for other for other events. So I don't mind. I actually don't I mind think, how they've outlined these fields. While we're while we're talking about this, this isn't a critique because obviously there's nothing out there yet. But I have to like I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe um, before I get really you know um, fired up about it one way or the other. But like FedEx Cup points have to change. That's like the biggest one of the biggest sure. things from Separate. this. Like yep. they cannot be even close to the same values now there's as no they way are they then right i mean there's they no have to. About the other shoe like there has to be right there's like no has way. to be massive reform in mm-hmm. fedex cup points for these events versus a regular event versus a puerto rico type event if that's still going to exist next year um but like the other thing about this and and this is the thing i'll say about the fedex cup points you cannot you cannot reward players for finishing 50th to 70th if you're going to have no cut. They should get zero FedEx Cup points. Give them okay. money. That's fine. 
Give them money. They can't get world ranking points and they can't get FedEx Cup points for playing like complete shit. And because that's something we saw with the WGC. Cut that. Well, so I don't know where, but there has to be a number that it's cut at because we saw this with the WGCs. It was like, oh, you you realize how hard it is to fall outside the top 50 in the world if you're in the four WGCs and the four majors. Like if you play decently in the four WGCs, these no cut bonanzas with like the CJ Cup, these different things that gang. This was a thing three years ago. Everybody would talk about it's like, oh, these are OWGR manipulators. The same thing's going to happen with FedEx Cup points. Like right now, the way they distribute like century tournament of champions is total bullshit. Like you can finish in dead last of that and get more points than the guy that finished 50th at the Honda. And it's like the guy that played finished 50th at the Honda played better than the guy that finished last at the century tournament of champions. On a very, um, like amusing level, like Ryuji Yamada is playing in events right now because he just entered a no, no cut Zozo and got a point or whatever he got from it. And I know that's like not material to designated events, but it is an example of using no cut events to get a certain amount of status or points or I guess cash is separate thing. So, and I just, and, and like the no cut thing is what gets me. I hate it. I like loathe it. I, I think it's awful. I think the fields are too small. I think like a hundred at the end of the day, the PGA tour, when you talk about what the PGA tour is, there's like overarching thing is the most competitive tour in golf. And the idea behind these events while earning a spot in them is very competitive. The events themselves are very anti-competitive. And that to me is the problem. And like, I kind of judge all this stuff and and people are like, oh, it's so much better. It's so it's like I think these this year, the elevated events are going to be better than these. But B, the other thing is like you can't judge on whether it was better than the shittiest system you could possibly put together that we lived with the last 30 years. Right. You can't judge it that like my judge where I would start is like if I was starting a golf league, would it look like this? Now, like getting guys into the events, I like where their head's at, the way they're thinking about that. I think that's the way you would do that. But in terms of these events, no, they should they should be competitive. Like I look at the majors. The majors are the best events. They have cuts. The players is your best, allegedly best PGA Tour event. It has a cut. We love the genesis. Like these these things have something in common. Are they good the WGC- because they have cuts? The WGCs we didn't like. One of the reasons is there's no stakes early in the tournament. Say what you will. Gambling is a big part of of golf. Gambling is here. It's a big part of golf. One of the most popular bets is so-and-so to make the cut is a bet that lots of people make. Yeah, that's a separate issue for sure. Okay. the, the The gambling... Satisfying, satisfying the gambling part is a separate issue, uh, but I think you're talking about product and comp- competition is another. Yeah. So, okay. anyways, with this, like, I'm gonna call a spade a spade here. The okay. whole reason that this is no cuts, and none of them will ever admit this, is it is guaranteed money. The whole they they do not the want to blow up their league. Who show up? If for the if you restructured the golf you probably would have some guaranteed contracts. 
If you restructure the PGA Tour, you would have guaranteed contracts. The tour does not want to restructure. They don't want to get away from their like nonprofit, nonprofit. status. That's for whatever reason. If you that's what they should do. They aren't going to do that. But like at the end of the day, this is guaranteed money. And that's their whole point is like you could finish dead last in 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 all these events, what 12 of them? Maybe yeah. outside of the players 11. Yeah. The the last place check is going to be something like $100,000. So they're saying to these guys like at the bare minimum, you're going to make 1.1 million dollars for showing up to 11 events. That's, that's simplistic, but so what? So that's the These point. Good like, they won't just say the top seventy of a, an event. That's they, a, they won't say it, money. but that's what it is. It's that's guaranteed fine. money. So that's what, my point. Though? So why are we hollering about that? On it feels like we got too angry about the no. no maybe I just am like, maybe I'm a, a cut skeptic. I just I think we don't. I think we all of a sudden hold the cut sacred and get all worked up about it when it gets taken when it's changed. Like. I, I, do we really care? Besides the gambling aspect, I get that there's what, game, why do there's we bets. why do we like why do we like the U.S. No Open cuts? isn't good because it has a cut. The U.S. Open is good because it's a U.S. Open. What? Why do we like? Why do we not the, like cuts? The WGCs weren't terrible because they or or turned off because they had didn't have cuts. It was they were bad for a host of other reasons. They were what? What are the reasons the WGCs were bad? A half the field was not competitive. Ha- eh, whatever 20 percent. so the the field, the field that would get cut was not competitive right uh um, so the, those are the people that you're they cutting. were they were low stakes uh they were often had lacked identity they bounced around too much early on um they were at uninteresting places they were at places with little to no history uh and i include my beloved northeast ohio venue in that in that group um they were just they became slogs and obviously the one in August jammed between the open and the PGA. Like, I don't, I don't think like the fact that it didn't have a cut was what made it boring or made it tough at the end. Um, You're going to have a better TV product with a cut. That's like just simple. And I think like the the thought process, why why do you have a better, because you'll have less players on the golf course. You'll have, you'll have less players on the golf course. You'll have faster pace to play. You'll but be able to 70. do twosomes. 70 is threesomes on the weekend it, it, when they do cuts. So this. what would you do? You'd go to 100 and cut it to 50 or cut it to yeah, 60? Yeah, something or? like that. Yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, I think the Masters is a pretty good template for for this. Like, it's an this is an invitational series. Like, the Masters, the field size feels right. It's all off one. Everybody tees off one. You know... Yeah, and then you cut down to like fifty players. That's not. You a could bad. do fifty players and ten cut, ten shots. The Masters or never like gets to a hundred. It's usually about eighty-eight to you know ninety-six, ninety-seven, something like that. Uh, it's not a bad template for uh, you. Probably can't do all off one in in non-daylight savings times, but what um, is this? Yeah, I guess like in the middle, you get more light. But it's yeah, not a bad sure. template. I just don't. I think like the hollering about the cut was a little over. I think a cut is essential to to golf. That's like what the history of a golf tournament is. Okay. Like but we've is- we've operated professional golf has operated around a cut for over like for basically a hundred years. I saw um I think it was Rob Ops who I don't know, he works with 
I don't know. He was in golf. I think he was in golf media. He did like an audit of how many no cut events there were in 2018 and 19 and how many there would be next year. And it's like two more than what we had before. I'm just um, saying like over like what are you? There's one one no cut event that I really like. What? And that's Kapalua. Like, do you like any no cut events other than Kapalua? Which, do you like what, the tour championship? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I don't like it or dislike it because there's a cut or not a cut. Like, there's so many things that I care about watering down or making a product good or bad than whether or not there's a cut. And I've kind of said this, like, I've said this all year. Like, when people were getting mad about Liv getting OWGR, I would say the fact that they don't have a cut is not a reason not to give them OWGR points. There's other reasons, like the qualification. The clo- like, I've never considered a cut essential to get OWGR points either. I, I don't I don't understand. And it doesn't seem like it's that many events. Beyond what we're used to. I mean, we have a CJ Cup. We've had, um, I guess, all the WGCs, the BMW Tour Champ. Like, we've had a fair amount of no cut, we had like eight, nine to 10 no cut events on the tour schedule already in a prior era. I just don't know that it's sacrosanct to all of a sudden get rid of it. And I get that it's for guaranteed money, but it feels like it's guys who've earned it if they've made their way into this, this elite 70 ish. 70 to 8-ish, 78-ish category. I think like it's it it just is a fabric of of the PGA tour and and golf is the cut. I mean, like would Tiger's made cut streak be as impressive if he was playing if you know 75% of the events he was playing were no cut events? Oh, he made the cut a hundred times in, or you know, whatever times in a row. If if you know the vast majority of the events he plays in are no cut. Like making the cut, making the cut, whether or not you believe it is like a model of consistency. It is a, it is a actual metric that you can look at in terms of like, Hey, this guy's been better than half the field for the entire season. And now the there are, I got like, into the designated events. It's like, that's a fair metric to show that you've been good over. So anyways, this goes back to the point just, of the, the, the FedEx cup point. So you can't give it to guys that play like shit. You can't give them event, uh, give them money for showing up. They played well. They get this money. Okay, whatever. You're a guaranteed okay, contract. Well, but okay. like, you can't get FedEx Cup points and world ranking Have points. Have they said they're going to do that? I'm sure they will. That's the way it's worked in the past with WGCs. These are WGCs reincarnated no, with different qualification standards. That's what they are. Let's not like call it, it. That's what they are. Everybody that's like, oh, it's different. It's just a different qualification standard. Instead of using OWGR, it's new qualification standards. And it's like, just, you know, that's what these are. They're WGCs. Yeah. That seems pretty reductive. Pretty simple. What, what's different from the WGCs other than where they're playing and how players are getting in? I mean, I think that's pretty important. Where they're playing and how players are getting in are pretty big carve outs you just that that's those are pretty big differentiators no that, uh, is whatever is the travelers were. is tpc river highlands making that much of a difference than firestone for you no riviera might phoenix might um i think phoenix Genesis will be a worse event might. with 70 guys in it i think phoenix is going to be phoenix so there's 130 i mean it'd probably be better now we won't have the frost delays and never and you know darkness uh 
del- darkness suspensions Thursday and Friday now every day, every time we go there. I don't I just I think like how people get in and where they're at and what like you're injecting events that are already pretty strong with guaranteed not guaranteed but close to guaranteed all-stars fields showing up and that could be heritage that could be travelers um i think it's kind of what the tour had to do i don't know why people are, are so upset about the cut thing it just it feels like i don't know we just it's one of golf's sti- traditions that's okay like I it's the that. same I way i feel about the western open getting ripped uh, apart it's the i mean the western open being going from one of the majors of golf to now a 70 person no cut event like yeah like you're just ri- the tour continues to just sway away from like the history of the game but i think this is the tension between you've you've been a proponent of the pgl ideas right and the and what the, I, the all i'm disruption. saying like there's a proponent between innovating and advancing and i guess tradition and I, that's the tension, the balance beam they're trying to walk here because they do have to adapt. They did have to innovate. They did have to change to respond. And it seems like people are just like, whatever they said, the cut part just feels like easy, low-hanging fruit to get mad about when it's it's just not... The, uh, the cut part is to pay these guys and what they're doing instead of just addressing the problem correctly, which is to pay them. They are messing with the competitive landscape of golf by eliminating cuts. So rather than just fixing the problem by saying, hey, if you're a top 50 guy in the FedEx Cup, we're giving you an extra $1.2 million. There's your payment. You know, we're going to cut it off the top of these elevated event field things, but you're going to make a little bit less at those, but you're we're just giving you $1.2 million in cash, you know? So like instead of just doing that, a simple thing like that and saying we're going to still have cuts and we're going to maintain the history of the game, we're going to change the history of the game and introduce this like the best players in the world, the vast majority of their schedule is no cut. That's fucking ridiculous. Hmm. Do you is see what I'm saying? Majority of their schedule? Ha- at least half of their schedule will be these guys play 20 times a year. 10 of these events will be no cut events. That sucks. So, do you think they're not going to try as hard or something? Like, I don't think the, no, I just, I just don't think, I think you value I, the entertainment product. I don't think it's material. I think the whole thing about Friday afternoons was overstated. I don't think it's like a big impact. Is it, do we do at, the gamblers? The care? gambling community That's makes fine. up the vast majority of their streaming service that people that pay for, for Friday, Thursday and Friday streaming. So like, I think it's, it's rather stupid to like, just like alienate, you know, whatever it is, like I value a cut. I think the cut like shows like, are you playing good golf? It. I just think the reaction to it's been a little overstated, overdone. I don't, I don't devalue a cut. I just think like the importance of it to people tuning in on Friday or Thursday or whatever is, is minimal. I just don't think. It What's, what are the stories the first is- two days? What are the stories the first two days without a cut? The stars, how are they playing? Where's the the course? How is that playing? Uh, Not like who's, who's every in the top 10 of the leaderboard. Who's on the t- how's Tiger playing and who's on the top 10? Every I, single major, one of our segments on Friday is who missed the cut. Yeah, and they'll stay if that it was way. insignificant, for then Riviera. that wouldn't be. I mean, it is for because uh, it's a Friday night show. 
and it's for a major. I just don't know that that's that matters for, for Travelers or Phoenix or Riviera. I don't think it's. I I, I just don't think it's a, 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 the biggest thing, and it became a bigger thing because it's this high profile change, a high profile announcement, and all of a sudden now we're overvaluing a thing that we probably not ignored, but didn't you know hold in this high regard that that we all of a sudden do for a lot of people making cuts is being consistent and you know if if but that, isn't that already demonstrated by being value. in these events you've demonstrated no. you're consistent because you're in these events like well, that's we're my creating new metrics there's more stakes it's gonna be now hard to fall out of this i know they've run all these simulations these are the same simulations that created that decided that a good idea to have a net championship for your final for your you know super bowl event as a tour well i mean it sounds like those simulations were the pushback on something that like this uh, this this sort of closed door shop that you're really arguing against thank god for the simulations in this case because it's not like wilmington those elites wanted it, whatever they were cooking up was no cut and nobody ever falls out 80 percent kind of year over year whereas the simulations and whatever they came up with this is more close to 60 percent, which i guess is more in line with with like what typically happens in a tour season, right? Like, so fortunately the simulations were there. I, I thought that was a big revelation that these guys coming out of Wilmington really wanted like never fully guaranteed year after year after year to be designated, no matter how hard they, no matter how poorly they play. Um, well, yeah. Wouldn't you want that? Right. That's like right. the same thing going on with Lamar Jackson right now with guaranteed money. Right. So, not to defend the tour, but it seems like they did a fair amount. Not to defend Jay Monahan, but it seems like someone there had to push back on the, the these players that are also have a threat threatening to leave to go to a competitor. And it sounds like they were able to do that in a somewhat moderate way. Now, is it is it fulfilling to everyone's satisfaction? No, because there is no cut and the field sizes are smaller. But it does sound like the tour had to push back and try to like ask for some of these elite guys to concede a few things at the same time while trying to prevent them from leaving. Do you know what I mean? That's like a pretty hard position to be in. Yeah, I no, guess. I just think that, that like, like the better. Yeah. The, it's just, I, I get hung up on this because like, it's like, why wouldn't you try and just make like many major championships of these, the most competitive tournaments in the world. And like not having a cut is just very uncompetitive. You know, that's where I just like, I struggle with this, right? That's been my, my thing. Like what's the advantage of the PGA tour? It's the most competitive golf tour in, in the world. You and know, and it became, is going to, yeah, is going to make it. What's the, there's it this not. fallacy of a cut that like the, Oh, we have to do it so that big players are around on the weekend. Guess what? The best players of the world don't miss a lot of cuts. That's what makes them the best player of the players in the world. I don't like the idea that you could go around and shoot 73, 73, 73, be like pretty below average all week and then shoot a 63 and make a ton of money, even though you stunk for three of the four rounds. And anybody that watched you was like, God, this guy stinks and then catches lightning like the Streelman effect. Come out of nowhere and <laughs> cash in. You know, like, I don't like that. Like, I'd rather see like and then finish above a guy that's like in the mix, that's in the top 10, has a shot to win, has a bad Sunday and f 
tumbles down the leaderboard. I don't like that. I don't like the uh, the advantage that a lot of times is presented to guys that go off first in the morning and can shoot up a leaderboard and make a ton of money when they had no significant impact on the tournament for three days. Actually, it, in all totality, like these are all the competitive issues with not having a cut. Like you got to get like it's like in tennis. It'd be like if there's like all these like you, there's triple. We're doing triple elimination tournaments in tennis from now on, and a guy can stink. And just like then start to beat up on the bad guys and end up finishing higher than the guy that got to the quarterfinals and then lost to Nadal, you know, and then lost his next three matches because he was just bummed out that he wasn't going to win. You know, like this is the this is the issue. There's a psychological aspect with cuts and there is also a psychological aspect of missing cuts that is important in the game of golf. Like when you start missing cuts, you get down on your luck and you struggle. This is just a a band-aid. Like anybody that's played golf understands that cuts are like psychological. Like when you miss cuts, it is a compounding effect. And effectively what you're doing is you're giving, like you're taking away some of the psychological strain of golf on the elite players in the game. And that sucks. But you just said they never miss cuts. The guys who the guys who matter don't. What happened? So what is that psychological strain there? Where would Jordan Spieth have fallen in the rankings when he lost his swing if there was no cuts? Like, what would be our like? He would have been finishing. He would I mean, have put like he, Jordan Spieth. Like we, there were cuts when he fell. Like so, we saw. That's it. what I'm saying. He missed a ton of cuts. Like he he could he could shoot one sixty three. Jordan Spieth, like that was the thing. Is Spieth would shoot sixty threes and then he shoot seventy eights. And it, it would be like, like we're what's jumping going on ahead of ourselves here? Why don't we see what they do for this bottom half or bottom third of guys? Like, guess what? Like, once you remove the cuts, you're never getting them back. These players are never going to go for cuts. Once you, that's like the the thing that's disappointing. Hmm. But there'll be cuts at the majors. There'll be cuts at all the like, aside from maybe like six events, right? So six, I mean, the, seven times we'll get to see Patrick Cantlay play against a cut. That's that's exciting. Yeah, seven I, times a year. Rory will play play with a cut seven times a year. That's that's so depressing for anybody that likes the history of the game of golf. But didn't you just say the cut doesn't matter to Rory because he never misses it anyways? He'll like, miss so like four cuts a year. He misses three or four cuts a year. Okay. Now he's going to miss one or two, and it's going to skew like how you look at his career in terms of consistency. It's all these things that the tour doesn't care about. How about the LA Open? If they don't, if they don't do a cut, like what? What is it anymore? It's the same thing that happened to the Western Open. Like, why are we doing this to the best events? Yeah, I like, I think that's regrettable. I agree with you. But looking in the totality of things of having to change, adapt or die. I think some of these things are peripheral. I think that they're, they're just like, if you look at like the guy who does shoot 63 on Sunday to jump up and make a bunch of money after shooting 63, like whatever that is, however often that happens in the simulations, however, like the Western open losing its history is regrettable. The LA open being an invitational is regrettable, but they're all like within the context of the whole situation that's staring them down, like peripheral, they had to, they have to adapt. And I get that they can adapt and also try to keep some of these things, but I think what they've come up with is pretty exciting. And I think the stop it at is Riviera, exciting. whatever it's called, LA Open, LA Invitational, the closed door classic is going to be pretty sweet. It's going to be awesome. And all the best guys are still going to, are going to be at, 
they're just I feel like WGCs. Over defending this, no, they're not. That's so. That's so they simplistic. Are. That's so simplistic. The fields will be it stronger is. than WGCs. I think they won't. Um, this the WGCs were the same thing. Everybody's like, oh, you're gonna get, fo-, you know, maybe three guys outside the top fifty. That's exactly what WGCs were. What'd you make of Max Homa's point that it would cannibalize the non-designated events if you made them 120 guys or 100 100 players? I thought that was a fair point, quite honestly. I tweeted I tweeted about this, and if you make all the the ways that you qualify for the big money events, like through how you play in non-designated events, if you are a non-designated player, people are going to be showing up. It's the same reason that like there are pre-qualifiers to every Monday qualifier on the PGA tour because the dream of playing for giant purses is what keeps these guys going. So guys will play like, you know, like the reality is like, so what's this guy? Like, here's one of the things like with the non-designated players, right? So I'm going to play three weeks and I'm going to get hot and I got in, I get, I play two more weeks. I have to play. So I'm five weeks. Then I got, got, go back and I got to play three more weeks in a row for the non guys, they're going to play a ton just on this dream. It wouldn't have changed either way with, with, you know, if you kept 50 guys exempt into these, there are going to be all the guys are going to be trying to get in via the non designated. Like that will be the goal is to get up to the level. It wouldn't have cannibalized anything. You just have to be like all the, all of the spots have to be qualified through the, the merit, you know, the meritocratic methods that they've laid out. They could have scaled that up really easily. If 15 guys, let's just say, let's just say we went to 80 or 90 players and it was 15 guys from three, from the three non-designated yeah. events, would you feel, I would feel a lot better about it. If it I'd was, if it was 85 guys cut to 50, I would feel better about it. And that's like what I'm saying is like I think a hundred is the right number. I I think seventy is the wrong number, and somewhere in between is a lot better. Yeah, I, I I kind of understand his point though. I just think like if you all of a sudden you have ninety designated, a hundred designated, it really rem- like you have to get the sprinkling of those those stars in the other events. You have to get something like they cannot become the Puerto Rico Open. They cannot become and the tour doesn't exist. In those weeks off, one of and one I of the issues a- with one of the issues with WGCs was I and I don't know, like I don't I'm not a st- statistician, but when you have less players in a field over four rounds, there is more likely going to be a a winner by a number of shots. Like that's just there's less competition in the field. So if somebody's playing you well, that, there's less. Le- that, that that was a there's, thing. It's there's absolutely data. true. I think that's okay. why people didn't like WGCs is because when you have seventy guys over seventy two holes, this leaderboard gets spread out, and there's only a couple guys that have a chance. I'd like I like golf I, courses with Akron. I'd say that was often an issue. If I'm going off of memory here, that that just like Sunday was pretty sleepy because JT was up by a bunch. And if he wasn't up by a bunch, there was really only one guy that could contend or catch him or something like that. And it's just not so it, it like there's not bunching. 
my po- if you go back to Phoenix, if you think about Phoenix, Sunday would have been an absolute dud. We it wasn't the best Sunday. It would have been an absolute dud if you had 70 players in the field because it would have been Scheffler versus Rom and Rom just didn't play well. And he never pushed Scheffler. Never once pushed. The only guy that pushed Scheffler was Nick Taylor who wouldn't have been in the field. So I just if you go back like, the Now hold on. Just, if you go back the year that. before all the best moments from that tournament the year before, Thagala, Higgs, Ryder, Joel Damon, all the guy, all those guys wouldn't have qualified. So, like, what I'm saying, like, we've seen with the elevated events that this year that we're still going to get the big name winners, but the ancillary stories all of a sudden get ripped out the, when you reduce the field. And that comes with the cut. Like the cut is part ancillary. of like. I, I mean, I just think like. I, I, that's I, what makes a golf tournament. I know though. our podcast lives on a lot of those ancillary places. And so like, I don't necessarily dislike it, but it is ancillary to what they're trying to get done like, here. I mean, like U.S. Open is a good example last year, right? What do you remember from the U.S. Open? Um, Fitz, Salatoris, and Scheffler, right? Right. Right, just kind of the three of them, the venue at, at yeah, three shot makers at a venue. Like one of my favorite venue. stories from it was Joel Damon, Nick Hardy, guys like that who were like who played really well, Denny McCarthy, who changed their like their professional careers but weren't necessarily in the mix, right? Yeah. I, I, and like, like you don't get ex- you don't ex- here's the thing, you don't get excited when Rory finishes 7th. I'm not trying to minimize your um, impressions of that event, but I just don't think many people cared about Nick Hardy or Joel Damon prior to the Netflix episode. I just don't think that registered like those that that like does it for us. The sickos. Yeah. But like in terms of like uh, assessing the overall product in the largest swath of audience, I just don't know that it was that registered. How many people would remember Nick Hardy or Damon prior to the Netflix episode or whoever else playing well there? I, 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 I take, I kind of take Max Homa's point that for the whole group, and this is what I've kind of been bothered by seeing some of the like, Seeing some of the like rank and file guys get upset about Rory being the shadow commissioner and all this stuff, like, dude, you are going against Rory and Tiger Woods and five to seven to eight other guys who have built a tour for you or helped build a, a pretty big pot war chest for you to make money on. And I don't understand, like, they are literally trying to make it so for me, the drama of Friday afternoon, no cut is more than sated by the non-designated events of getting access to these, like whoever, Eric Cole, trying to play his way at a designated level. That, to me, is more interesting all of a sudden late on Sunday at a sleepier Honda or a sleepier John Deere or Amex. That is more interesting to me than Friday afternoon, the guy trying to break 72 to make make it to the weekend. Like that's my, my that's point where is those you can have both build in. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I, 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 that's like, that's I just my think the big hollering thing. about it is overdone. 
And that's, that was my whole point yesterday. It felt like people started losing their shit on Twitter about a thing that we kind of knew was coming too. Like, I don't know that, that this was a big shock, right? Based on how we understood this designated model to be co- like framed from last August. Was this a big shock to you? It wasn't a huge shock. I think I like I, where I'm disappointed is is field size, and then like with field size becomes the ability to have no cut, right? Like yep. to me, you you're missing the mark when you have seventy players. Like that is the it's it's just it's not as competitive as a tournament, and you should have the most competitive tournaments. Like that should be the number one goal because like that's where genuine interest comes from. It's not. You know, the top players, like, as we saw with the Honda, the Honda was a more compelling event than the Phoenix Open was on Sunday. It's because it was more competitive. Now, like... Uh, you playing for that? Or is that just kind of... I mean... You, you I'm just saying, like, like the point... The, you can't concoct it, but, like, what it, what it proves is that co- competition is the number one thing that drives interest. Big yeah. names are important. Getting all the big names to like the the same places is going to guarantee that they're in the mix, right? But having the most competitive event is going to trump all of that, right? That's what we remember. We remember the like the duels, and when you reduce I, I, I field just size, think like John Rim, John Rom winning by five at Riviera is going to make more headlines than Eric Cole and Chris Kirk have been more competitive. I'm, it makes more headlines, but what captivates an audience more? John Rahm uh, rocking the baby to sleep down the stretch with no nobody threatening objective, him, or like a, a playoff where a guy s- hits a wedge stone dead. I'd I'd maybe say probably John Rahm, like the so star so you'd rather game. watch Steph Curry. I, that's not what I said. That's not what I'm 20. saying. I'm not saying this I'd my- rather. I'm not saying I'd rather. I'm saying what generates more interest, I think, is probably the stars winning by five or winning by one. I see. Winning I di- at all. I disagree. We have this with the NBA this playoffs. They talk, yeah. go round around, and people are like, "Man, the NBA playoffs sucked last year in in the one round because they were all blowouts." Yeah. And then there was a round where all the the first round, where all the games were close. I think, if I remember correctly, second round, the majority of the games were blowouts, and they were like, "This sucks." They were better teams, more star players. But the general discourse was like the NBA playoffs suck. I don't think the tour has that luxury necessarily with the hundred, you know, however many members and pro golfers. I just don't know that that's the similar comparison. Anyways, you want um, you want tinfoil hat conspiracy real quick. Just sure. just like there was a lot of just, it out just, there. These guys just like, texting. Go ahead. Go texting ahead. with somebody who pointed this out. Pack member Charlie Hoffman. Guy that's supposed to represent the everyman. What is it, exempt like into all it, sponsor exemptions into all three designated events so far. Really? I waste. He's a sponsor at what Bay Hill? I think so. I think that that, that was a, a, a tin tin foil what's hat the, theory. What's the that conspiracy? Got, what's the conspiracy? What does that have to do with next three, year? Three for three on design on invites to designated events. He he's one of the people that voted that sold sold uh, all the all the middle of the road guys down the river and voted for that. 
this what, is a ki- this is a tinfoil hat conspiracy here. I don't I don't understand how you don't think this is making the product better. It's making more cutthroat. You have to play better, even better than you did this year. And there's ways to get in during the season. There's ways like all these guys in the middle of the this. road. And like I think the biggest challenge is going to be like obviously selling title spots, keeping the purses and everything else at eight million, at seven to ten, nine, ten million. Like that's going to be a challenge. But as long as that stays there, I don't see how like really anyone could be super pissed about this unless like you're the guy who loves to go to Bay Hill, loves to go to Riviera. And all of a sudden you're 80th. Like, sorry, man, we're getting more competitive here. And like, we've always heard that only like 10 guys it's are less competitive. It's, it's hold on, hold on. It's less competitive. The, the designated events this year are more competitive than the designated events next year. And that's because what I'm they have about. 20 extra guys or 40 extra guys. Yeah. In the field. There's more guys that can win the golf tournament in the field. That's fair. That's fair. That's but that's what I'm pissed off about is that the quality of the event is going down. It is deteriorating. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't think, I don't know that I think we could come to these next year and just have a ball. I, I just don't just pay the guys. Pay the guys and have real golf tournaments is my my point. Okay. Um, anything else? This is, this is the thing we've we've talked about. Live how fifty four holes no cut is not golf is not real professional golf all year, and now they're going seventy two holes and no cut. Like it's it's bullshit. Mm. I, the qualification I, I the qualification standards are better. But the actual tournament product is not tournament golf. It's what it's, would you have to get to to have a cut? Like ninety, like masters kind of thing. They have a cut at at eighty five to ninety. That's they could the have minimum. a cut even if they cut from seventy eight to fifty. I'd be happier. You have to. You have. There has to be consequence for playing like shit. Otherwise, the event sucks. I mean, can't can't the missing like cuts shit- is embarrassing. That's why these guys don't want them. Can't be the plane like shit be, you know, uh, the whatever de minimis FedEx cut points or zero OWGR points or zero. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, there's going to be a penalty for not playing well. It's not like that goes away, whether there's a oh, cut or you, not a the cut. The penalty is I collect 100 grand. Well, that's a reward for playing your way into this elite level. I mean, we see that uh, we've seen that for years at the FedEx Cup. My point: we saw it. We saw it in the full swing when when Poulter was talking about, and I, I hate that I'm referencing Ian Poulter, but when he was taught when he missed the cut at the PGA Championship, and he said, "There's nothing worse than doing all this work and making no money." Like that, that is a, a real psychological. That's a, no, but that's a real psychological thing with golf, and and you completely stripping it away from the best players who should be the ones that have to deal with that. Like it's, it's not. That's it's, the thing that I hate. I like. I like. This is the thing. I like the way they're thinking about filling the fields. I just think that this year's designated events are better than next year's, and that's sad. I don't know that it's 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 going away at some places for sure. Like Riviera, Phoenix, whoever else, Travelers, Harbor Town, some of these like non-players, not you know, non-major. But I, I just don't know that it's maybe it's a, I wrote it was an unforced error. It seemed unnecessary. Did I think it was the biggest deal in all this and the thing that people got so upset about? No. Um, do I think they could change it? Yeah. It does seem like good luck. 
this is going to adapt a little bit going forward. So I don't know. It's it, it was it was a good first try. I think people were too angry about stuff, especially with the cuts and the, and the field sizes. I, I don't think like what we're talking about here are, are very like incremental peripheral type changes either that would make it wetter or worse. So uh, should we do golf advice? Do you want to do that here on this Friday episode? Should we do one? We'll do one. All right. We had a uh, ladies night here Friday night. We had a bunch of bunch of uh, emails from SGS golf advice from women. Um, do you want to do golf school dropout from Amanda? And we'll do go point by point. This is a long one. So we'll just do one. Uh, you guys said to be concise, but I'm not sure I can with this one. I just got back from a three day golf school in Florida. Look at that. Trying to get better. Gotta like that. Golf school. And I'm still stewing about the woman I was forced to share a cart with for three days. Here are a list of her sins. Maybe I'm just being sensitive, but I can't help but feel like my experience was ruined by this woman. For reference, I'm in my late 30s and a 16 handicap, and she is in her 60s and about a 10 handicap. There was also a married couple in our trip that was delightful, but in their own world in a different cart and not nearly as affected by this as I was. First hole of the whole trip, I hit a long drive and then nail a 75-yard approach shot to four inches. She hits her second shot to eight feet above the hole with a bit of right-to-left slide. There's a lot of nonsense going on with the couple. I walk up, tap my birdie in to make space for everyone else to finish the hole. The guy running the school congratulates me for making the first birdie of the trip. She hits her putt and annoyingly, it drops in. She starts making a big deal that she actually made the first birdie of the trip because I put it out of order. I say nothing because that's childish shit. But she seemed really vindicated in repeating it three different times. That's she absurd. She wants us to comment on that. <laughs> I mean, I think at this point, I'd immediately be like, I don't want anything to do with this lady. I don't want to spend time I would be putting up like a very icy exterior and uninterested, immediately uninterested in this human being. Like her motive was not to make the first birdie of the trip. Her motive was to get out of the way on an eight inch putt or four inch putt or whatever. Like, like let's get real lady. Yeah. I'd be annoyed. Day one consisted of endless amounts of unsolicited advice. Yes, I'm at golf school, but I'm not paying her. I'm paying my coach. How do I politely tell someone that I don't care what their opinion of what I should do is? She's a 10 handicap, not a teaching pro. Would it be rude for me to say exactly that? I think it's a good question. I think this is a problem a lot you, of people encounter. Yes. yes. What I, I don't, don't understand exactly is a answer. person with the gumption to start giving advice unless it's asked for. That's the person. There are so many people like this in the world that I just, and I've seen it caddying for years. You've seen it. Like, who are those people? Where are you coming from? Like, how do so many of those people exist that they think they could just start unsolicitedly? Giving advice to anyone. Like if you are asked about something, you can throw your guess in or throw your educated guess, maybe not so educated guess. But I don't understand how that happens. I would push back and be like, look, I understand you have thoughts and opinions, but I'm here to get, you know, golf school from the actual experts. I think you can push back. and I don't think you're rude, but you have to manage your expectations knowing you're spending a lot of time with this person. Um, I, you know what I might say to them, I might in this specific situation is like, oh, that's interesting. Let's ask, ask the coach if what they think, and then just ask the coach. And what probably will happen is that the 10 handicap will be proven to be an idiot 
and then they'll stop offering advice. About halfway through the first round, I had just marked my ball for a par putt about six feet uphill. It was a steep green, and she was about 15 feet above the hole with an aggressive left-to-right grade. She proceeds to ram her putt into the fringe. Coach grabs her ball, tosses it back to her, gives her a much higher aim point, tells her to try again. Again, she rams it, but a little less egregiously. The guy in the couple then hits his putt to a few inches and scoops it. In the meantime, she is set up to hit the same putt a third time. I was about to putt when she hits her third, and annoyed, I step back to reset. Then she states, the group behind us is waiting. We need to hurry up. As I was resetting to hit my first putt of the hole, that I'll remind you, because I mentioned it so long ago, was for par. We were playing a resort course in Florida. We had been waiting on the tee all day. Uh, The group behind us was keeping pace. We were not the group holding up the course. Um, There's absolutely no need to point out that they were waiting. I found it obnoxiously rude to point out after she hit three putts before my first. Of course, because I was shaking with rage, I missed the putt two inches high. If you take three putts on a greed and then say we need to move on to the other person who hasn't putted once, I I think here you can politely point out, like, well, maybe you shouldn't have taken three practice putts. I get that your coach threw it back to you the first time. But the third one then, like, you just have to keep your mouth shut. That's not the time to point out. We need to hurry up. Pretty egregious behavior. After the round, we yeah, were in the bathroom. Not, not Go good. Ahead. After the round, we good. were in the bathroom, and she asks my club, lets me golf with a skirt that short. Jeez. Just, <laughs> God. Seems like you shouldn't do that. And then states her club would never allow me to wear that there. For the record, I have golfed at her club twice and worn skirts that exact length, and nobody said a word to me. I refrained from saying anything other than no. I've been there for 10 years, and they don't care. I actually would have said, actually, I've played at your club with this skirt on twice, this length. That's a, that's a place where you can politely say, for the record, the facts, the history of the matter, this is how it happened. And I don't think that's rude at all. I think that's probably what I would have responded to. Um, somewhere along, along the line, it was decided that each member of the group would pick up a tab for each dinner. I'm 99% sure it was her suggestion the couple got the first night. The second night, we tried for a restaurant down the road, but they were booked. Uh, so we went to the restaurant at the golf course. Entrees were 12 to $18. This was going to be cheaper of the two nights. After ordering her meal, she said to the waitress, also, I'll take the check at the end. So they went to find a nice restaurant. They were booked. They ended up at a cheaper. It became clear. She asked for the check. For all done, she was eating. She went up to the bar, got the check, and clearly very pleased with herself, announced to everyone that she took care of it. The next night, when we went to the aforementioned place down the road, the meal started, it was much more expensive. Everybody got drinks. She ordered two glasses of wine. This did not happen the night before. The bill I got stuck with was probably triple hers. No offer from her to make up the difference. The couple did offer, but I refused them because they were delightful. I'm not opposed to paying my night. I just hated the way she went about paying for hers. A lot of evidence here that this person sucks. I mean, I don't know what you do. In this I don't instance. know what you. I what think you, you kind of grin and bear it. You bite the bullet. Well, that's the hard thing. You're stuck with it. There's four of you. You're stuck with her the whole all the days. It's not. You know. I don't know these golf schools. My my general thing. I think they're good. I wouldn't want to be like captive to somebody to some schedule for for three yeah. straight days. I think that's right. just. It's too much for me. I would rather go and book a couple lessons, you know. Yeah. For sa- like probably save some money, you know, 
treat, give myself some alone time, you know, some time away from golf. Uh, I think that's it for the dinner. By the third day golfing, I'm so over her. I basically started ignoring everything she says. We're still stuck in a cart golfing together for the third day in a row. Like you just asked, like you just noted. I started golfing like shit because I'm so furious. My coach starts stop. My coach stops giving me any advice on the course because I'm sulking and acting childish towards her. I spent the last day on the verge of tears. At some point, I shared my frustrations about her, and his only response was, she's a sweetheart. I know that his livelihood depends on getting along with people and developing relationships so that they continue to take lessons with him, but I still found it rude. Typically, I would have given, up, given him a tip at the end, but I was so annoyed at his take that the situation that I did not. So I guess this is just a really... <laughs> Long-winded therapy session for me, but would appreciate your opinions on each point. So that was a long-winded therapy session, but I think a, it was a well-earned one. And what do you make? <laughs> I think I would have given the coach a tip, but it sounds like you had a miserable experience that you were not a good headspace to be extra generous. I might have tipped on top of it. But that, that's my only maybe. I think the one thing well, you could have done, maybe, maybe ask like the uh, couples if they wanted to switch cart pairings or something just to get away from her. You could have maybe said, hey, I'm going to carry my clubs today. Yeah. Yeah. I want to walk. That's the thing. The only way I guess like this is a benefit of never riding in a cart is that like I never get stuck with somebody for too long of a period like you can avoid them if you're walking you can walk you know you can have your separate time the problem with the cart if you don't like the person is you're going shot to shot you're never apart from them like what i would have done if i was bound to a cart is i would have tried to just like walk places a lot like been like oh i'm just gonna take my clubs because like in this situation you just need space i know exactly how this feels and it's like you just have to get away from them you know, that's the only thing yeah. that makes you feel better. Yep. Um, I'm going to do one more quick one. Preferred lies, not preferred. I'm on the board of a historic traveling golf league. The handicaps from scratch to 30. VP makes the decision how to play the ball the morning of the round. Last year, we played the ball up in the fairway every single round. <laughs> how does that happen? Some less well, manicured that's courses. That's the PGA Tour. This is some less manicured courses may merit this ruling along with the threat of rain, but the VP insists we should get the same lives the tour pros get. With talks of playing some <laughs> rounds with lift clean in place in the rough, I feel like this is now getting out of hand. The charm of escaping from a bad lie is that a is a threat here, along with the reputation of our play by the rules. It's the charm of the cut, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Do I commandeer the VP's role next year and bring the rub of the green back and the player silently protest by playing it down and encourage others to join my revolt? I think you, you got to get this guy out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Every single round. And then now we're talking about the rough too. The uh, guy just doesn't have it. I think you got to get him out and you start playing it down. And, and yes. And maybe he gives entirely. himself preferred lies all the time. This isn't golf. So- this isn't golf. Yeah. This is not He just golf. wants to make it so he doesn't feel have it on his conscience. Uh all right. That does it for SGS golf advice. Anything else you want to get off your chest here? Anything any other do you, points? Do you want to talk for thirty more minutes about cuts? We like the field sizes. Or we like the field makeups. You want them to be bar- bigger. You want them to be a cut. 
I get it. I don't disagree with you. You love everything just... about it. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> you know what? I think we'll be fine. That's because like, you're going down to the moat. I got it. Right. Put it all together. You're, you're worried about I going to the moat. I had to say some nice home. things. I couldn't blast the tour <laughs> on my way down to Ponte Vedra. I had to do it. You know me. I try to I pull up whenever I can. Um, <laughs> I I. I my whole thing is I just don't I think we'll be fine next year. We'll forget all about this day on Twitter where we got mad about it. But we'll see. Yeah. I'm not removing you know what? doubt. We'll be fine. It won't be great. It'll be fine. And that's like the problem with the PGA tour for the last 30 years. <laughs> is the PGA tour in 2024 gonna be better than the PGA tour in 20, 2019? Yeah. It's gonna be a it's an infinitely better product, thanks in part to live incursion it's gonna be cool right or no is it gonna have we lost so much history that you want to go back it'll it's be gonna worse be, than it's gonna be way better like this is the thing i'm like i'm pretty happy about everything i just it, to me it's it's weird that we're gonna have worse events than we had this year and that that's the thing that that's gonna stick with me is like you know these events like We'll see. The proof will be in the pudding, but like, I just two years from now when we're like, man, these events kind of are sleepy. I think we're gonna know why, and then it's gonna be if Liv's not around. Like the other thing is like, if Liv's not around, the tour's just gonna re- re- like just regress oh, back into comfy. their old selves. Oh yeah, yeah. Get they already. Cold. I think they already are feeling pretty comfy. Yeah. Uh, well, you got Westy and Poulter on the Twitter trying to hold their feet to the fire, <laughs> shouting about nonsense. Like, dude, guys, you made $50 million on the course, thanks in large part to Tiger. Now you're publicly in t- like, you just, you are past your competitive, like, on course earning ability, and you just got a golden parachute of like $40 million, and you are still have to be on Twitter aggrieved, antagonizing. Like, this was a fortunate, great turn of events. I just, if I had just gotten paid $40 million at the end of my, not prime, but end of my basically competitive days, I just wouldn't be on Twitter hollering about this shit. But they're holding their feet to the fire. Um, as are you about the cuts. I like that. Man, man, John Rahm, 700 <laughs> solo leader right now. The only person that can catch him is the kitty cat. I Yeah. Insane. So, I mean, what? So, if this happens next year, are you going to say it's because there's only 70 guys? John Rahm's running away? Well, Kurt Kitayama wouldn't have been in the field. <laughs> we'll He's see the only the guy that's close to him right Saturday now. Or Sunday. Um, Adam Shank's I, in the mix, too. He wouldn't have been in the mix. I, I don't think it's WGC's 2.0. I just don't. All right. I, I, it's I it's slightly point. better WGC's. It's a better field yeah. makeup WGC. My whole one, thing was WGC's. One last, thing, one last question. They were, pulled, they were pulled out of thin air. These are still Bay Hill, stay Bay Hill. Bay Hill. Riviera is still Riviera. Of course, is it not as full field? Yes. WGC's were these made up things on the fly. And like all of a sudden, we we're supposed to care about... Uh, you know, Richard Sterney coming over from South Africa to play at Doral. Like I just like these are gonna these are gonna be much better. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? When's your last um, question? One last thing. What happened to uh the strategic alliance? Well, 
this is a significant issue. I think that this, along with the FedEx Cup points waiting, there are some obvious questions unresolved. Like, there's one tour. There's one competitive elite golf tour. Um, That's another part of my problem with Poulter and Westy all of a sudden, you know. Like, they, they've been over here forever. I mean, Poulter especially. Like, come on. Um. I think you got to get some designated events on that tour. One a year, one per year at least. Is that wrong? And make it suitable for like the American guy's schedule. It has to be. I mean, maybe they have them over barrel so bad that the DP world tour will just take whatever cut of revenue at the end of the year that they get. And I just don't think, I think it's shitty form to not do a little bit more than that though. They at least one designated event. How can they not have, why don't they just have like two spots? Just throw them a fricking bone. Give them two spots. Well then again, this is another cannibalizing that tour even more by bringing guys from wherever they'd be playing. Yeah, but give it, put it at the race to Dubai. Top two guys at the race to Dubai. Get a spot. One guy, one, just, Throw him one bone. So, I mean, what are you doing if you're Pelly, Keith Pelly? It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Hmm. Like PGA to a member too. So it's like Ryan Fox, not since he's not a member, is he not like he's the 28th ranked player in the world? The Peters thing that we just had at Riviera. Yeah. Like, Like I would hope that OWGR carve out they have is should be giving some of those guys spots, but he's not a PGA 30s. tour member. Right. Yeah. They, they, but he's an Alliance highly, member. If a, <laughs> the Alliance, if a highly ranked world ranked player wants to play in a designated event and however you want to define highly 40, he should be able to get in whether he's a member or not. Don't you think? Imagine like the, the ATP not letting in like, a highly ranked yeah. player that wasn't an ATP. I know that's like, doesn't happen because we don't, they don't have the setup, but like, Oh, he's not an ATP member, but he's the 18th ranked player in the world. But as soon as that happens, like whoever's like 71, like loses their shit. Or, you know what I mean? Like as soon, like he's not a member, he's not a card carrying member. It's interesting. One, one other big question I have is like, what's the difference between finishing 71st and 125th? Is there anything now? Like, you know, what happens to guys who are 50 to 70? Yeah. Guys you don't get like, the, like, you know what it makes is TPC in like high stakes central. It does. Right. It, it improves the playoffs a lot. Yeah. The playoffs I, have gotten way better the last two years. If I we do. want to talk about like way better i I, like i hate that world's better than memphis wilmington atlanta just like to admit that is just anathema but yeah i I don't know there's a lot more stakes and a lot more spots and we have an ordering of events we're not being told 48 events are all the same and we have unique different type of kft finals type stakes and drama and more spots throughout the year so i don't know all right, we talked about this at length. I know maybe it's a little different kind of episode for Friday, but 
these were significant things about the tour that we talk about for three days a week, uh, three days a week for five years now. So we wanted to kind of jam on it. So, and you've got yeah, some opinions. Sorry for the long episode. Opinion. I don't really, no, I'm not apologizing for anything. I'm not apologizing for anything. It's a good episode. Well, uh, you know, we kind of yelled at each other a lot, you know, well, we don't agree good. for anybody who thinks that we agree all the time. Yeah, my whole thing is like, oh, whatever. All right, we're done. All right, everyone enjoy your Fridays. We'll be back Sunday. Uh, I'll be maybe hopefully safe and sound in Lupland, and we'll uh, talk to you then.